NemosNewsNetwork.com. Breaking the cycle of fake news. Welcome back, everyone, to The Silent War with your host, Dustin Nemos of NemosNewsNetwork.com, where we continue with your help to break the cycle of fake news. I'm joined by a very special guest today. His name is Jason Fick. Many of you have heard this name before. Uh, you know that he was banned from Facebook and he has been fighting the censorship fight for us, um, for all of us, really, on our behalf for quite a while now. I'm bringing him back on the show to uh, catch us up. He's the founder of the Social Media Freedom Foundation. And um, you know his, his battle with censorship at this point is a thing of legend. It's, it's really uh, stretched on for quite a while. And he may even have the uh, censorship issue sort of by the horns with uh, his legal strategy. So Jason, without further ado, welcome back to the show. And um, how you been? Thank you for having me, Dustin. I appreciate that. Cool. So um, can you hear me? I can. Yes. Okay, cool. So uh, basically, um, you know, you're, I'm going to let you recap your history, but you know, you were, your, your business was ruined. You were destroyed from Facebook. They, they sort of stole and censored you, but then gave your business or sold your business to another company. I don't remember all the details, but you've been railroaded, um, not as a, as a journalist like many of us, but as a business guy. So from your perspective, from your, your, your fight to stop this sort of blatant discrimination, um, where did you start? Where have you been? And, and where are we now? <laughs> well, it's been a long road, obviously, because, uh, you know, it's, it's been always since the, uh, the AMP Festival, since we've uh, met in person. Uh, at the time, we were in a battle with Facebook that uh, started in 2018. We filed suit against them, took it all the way to the Supreme Court. And on our run up to the Supreme Court, the unfortunately, the courts um, basically they just misunderstood the language or for what it actually says. Um, they've conflated the publisher with a publisher and in doing so it essentially has given them a, a sense of sovereignty, right? They, they can get away with anything because they can't be treated as a publisher. Well, that's not exactly how the law is supposed to work. And sure. we took it all the way to the Supreme court. And unfortunately the Supreme court didn't uh, deny our cert, but I never once got a day in court, not even an oral argument, which is like your typical, you know, for those that don't, you know, aren't in legal battles, you, you get oral arguments. You get to go and at least say something to a judge. I never even got that. I got nothing. They just kept throwing me out on these, you know, ridiculous reasons. And so what that did was it put us in sort of a weird sort of position where I had not been given any process, much less due process. And on and about the same time that we got to the Supreme Court, this other decision, Enigma versus Mauerbytes, had come out, and that decision is monumental. I mean, most people don't recognize exactly how important it is, but that decision determined – now, it was originally fought as a 230C2 case, right, which is the second part where they're allowed to restrict materials, and it came to the conclusion that the Good Samaritan provision of the Communications Decency Act doesn't immunize any anti-competitive behavior, right? Because if, if you're doing, if you're removing people's content for your own financial self-benefit, you can't be a good Samaritan. It's kind of. Sure. Can, can you briefly uh, just remind people about section two? And that is exactly what we had alleged. Mm -hmm. Sorry, we had a little delay. I'm on satellite. Um, can, briefly, I don't want to interrupt you, but just kind of remind people who don't know what section 230 is, because it's been a while since we've talked about it on my show. 
um, just, just well, sure. you know how it works. Sure. So essentially what happened um, is, is that the, the Congress realized that there was a problem with, with the Internet. If they were going to police content in order to protect children, they had to come up with a statute, some sort of law that would allow the companies to make decisions as to what was offensive and be able to take that down and also at the same time not be held accountable for the content of other providers or users, right? And that is what Section 230 is. It is actually Title 47 USC Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. Now, this one statute, this one law is what's protecting all of these companies. And what most people, you know, <laughs> you hear some of these uh, internet supposed experts on Section 230, and they talk about the 26 words that invented the internet. Well, Section 230 did neither invented the internet nor is it 26 words long. It's substantially more than that. In fact, the first portion of it is literally called the Protection for Good Samaritan Blocking and Screening of Offensive Material. Well, what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to block and screen offensive materials, but they're supposed to act as a good Samaritan. That's what we're talking about here, which is in the Enigma versus Mauerbeit's decision, and the same thing that we argued here, they argued anti-competitive behavior, which is antithetical to being a good Samaritan. You can't be a good Samaritan and be removing content for your own financial benefit. Essentially, you're not a good Samaritan blocking and screening offensive materials. You're blocking and screening competitive materials. And that is what we alleged. Well, we are now back in the Ninth Circuit Court for the second time because that decision fundamentally changes our decision. That decision essentially says, hey, look, this Good Samaritan provision, the, the initial provision of the thing is you have to be a Good Samaritan. But of course, Facebook is out there saying, oh no, that, that was 230C2, yours is 230C1. And we're saying, no, it's the entire statute. You have to be a good Samaritan first. That would change a lot if just the courts recognize that because then you would have the threshold question for any litigation whatsoever of these companies. The question would be, did they act as a good Samaritan first? Now, they did. Then you move forward to see whether the rest of the statute applies or not. But it, that is just a fundamental question. And so in this whole process, because I was never granted a single day in court and we've gone all the way to the Supreme Court and we're having to go a second time, well, a lot of people are unaware that Section 230 actually is administrative law. It grants these companies the power to regulate speech. Now, the government can't regulate speech. So how is it granting? People say, well, it's, a, it's their First Amendment right. Well, it is their First Amendment right. But their First Amendment right does not entitle them to liability protections. The government did that. That's what Section 230 is. It has nothing to do with the First Amendment. It actually violates people's First Amendment. And so they grant them this power under an administrative law, and that power to restrict others, well, that can restrict their liberty and their property, right? They, Facebook took my property, and they denied me of my liberty, and they did so under the protection of government. Well, anytime the government gives anybody, whether it be private or public, the power to regulate any industry, anything to, to, you know, the government can't say to somebody, hey, look, you can decide whether somebody lives or dies. That's not a power that they can grant to somebody else because that private entity is obviously biased. Well, that's what happened here is they gave the power to a private entity and said, you know what, you can act on our behalf if you voluntarily choose to, right, Volunt voluntarily taken. So they can choose to do it. 
or they can choose not to do it. But if they do choose to do it, they have to follow a set procedure, meaning they have to restrict access to or availability of materials that are otherwise considered lewd, lascivious, and all the other things it said from Congress. If it okay. does that, right, then it gets protections. So that is the only time they would get protections. So, and now I want to, from your perspective as a business guy, kind of shift toward everyone else's perspective as just being censored for political discourse, you know, for our, you know, being conservative, being pro-life, being pro-Second Amendment, being pro-Christian, being pro-Trump, being pro whatever that they don't like, right? Because any speech that they hate mm -hmm. is, is by their definition, hate speech. So um, how, how does right. this affect those types of cases as well? I know that it will, but how does your victory also help all of the people out there, like the journalists and the, and the independent media, like myself and others who are being censored? Okay, so let's put it in those contexts. If, if for example, the companies are taking down hate speech and your speech is not hate speech, that's fraud, right? It's, it's not true. Um, matter of fact, John Stossel sued for defamation, right? Because they said he was wrong when he wasn't wrong. That's fraudulent, right? It's, it's, now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, fraud, but that's still not free speech. It is in a way because here's the thing. They still have a First Amendment right. Now, no doubt about it. They could take down your content. If your content was offensive, they can take it down, and, and you probably will not have any liability, or they will not have any liability. You won't be able to sue them. Why? Because they didn't break any laws. But if they did so fraudulently, well, now they've actually violated another law, right? They've, they violated something that's outside of the context of just taking down content. They've broken the law. Now, in normal circumstances, if somebody does that under their First Amendment rights or they defame somebody or they do things that are unlawful, like anti-competitive behavior, anything that is unlawful, you can sue. Well, right now, Section 230 is simply protecting unlawful activity. It's not doing anything of value whatsoever because their First Amendment rights are protected either way. And I'll be honest with you, they don't have to take down anything and they can take down anything they want within the confines of their First Amendment rights. The question is whether or not they would have the liability protection to do so. That relates back to what the government gave them the power to do. Now, so this, I, I want to briefly interject because this this does bring up an important point to my mind. Um, uh, I think uh, there's been lawsuits, there's been whistleblowers, Veritas clips and stuff like that showing in many cases a lot of evidence that the government itself is sort of laundering censorship. You know, like um, uh, the Surgeon General out there telling Twitter and Facebook to censor uh, posts that they don't like, misinformation that they're calling it, even though it may be true, about COVID, for example. Uh, mm -hmm. Does that play into this at all? Um, and does that help us to get around that? And then, uh, sorry to interrupt, back to your thoughts. No, no, that, absolutely. So in that circumstance, the, the way that I would best describe that is what you're implying there is, is that they are a state actor. And of course, everybody, yes. you know, the trolls of, of Section 230 laugh and they say, ha, 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 you're, they've already ruled that it's not state action because an implication by the United States government doesn't constitute a directive, right? Hey, look, we kind of like want you to do this and, and then you can decide whether to do it or not. Well, that, that's outside state action is what I call it, right? It's an outside force. It's, it's United States government from, the, from a third party perspective saying, hey, look, we want you to do something. If you want to do it, you can do it. If you don't want to do it, that you don't want to do it. Well, that argument has been lost 
in fact, it's been lost in court, but our argument is completely different of that, where we are saying, in fact, they are state actors or what we are calling a state agent, right? Because when sure. the United States government gives its power to an FCC, SEC, or any other commission, now those are official regulatory commissions, they are agents of the government, right? There's no question about that. The only difference between 230 and those circumstances is 230 gives it directly to the private entity, meaning they are still state agents. They have a choice whether to act upon that or not. That's the private choice, but the actions itself still are state activity. And so we're saying here is, is that instead of having to try and prove that the that the incentives or or the or the push from from government is trying you know is manipulating their their decisions we don't have to anymore it's right there in the statute it's in black and white right in the text very cool that's why we're circumventing it we don't have to anymore now i'm glad that you brought up that this has already sort of been lost in court i want to bring up a recent example how um yeah i don't don't watch fox news they're all liars anyway but Tucker Carlson recently uh, brought up the issue of uh, replace, white replacement, I think it's called, or great replacement theory, where you know the theory is that the left wants to replace white people with immigrants so that they'll have a stronger communist voting bloc and they can take over the country and all that. Uh, that's kind of not my point, but the point that I'm making is that Chuck Schumer and Congress immediately went after Fox, started basically putting pressure on them to cancel Tucker or force Tucker to stop talking about this particular topic. Is that a situation where you could mm-hmm. say they're, they're actually using uh, coercion on private companies to force them to censor private speech? Again, you, you used a, an operative word there, coercion. You, it is a gray area between what is a directive and what is coercion. Fair enough. You, you, you see what I'm saying is, is that that yeah. is an argument that in, it, it would be a case-by-case basis. Like, for example, Dr. Shiva, he was going to win his case. Um, yeah. At least this is my opinion, and I'm going to restate that this is an opinion on my part. He was – he seemed poised to win it because it was a state directive. They physically told him, do this, and they did it, right? Twitter, Twitter took him down. That is a state directive. Yeah. They directed him to do it, not coercion. And all of a sudden, his case was dismissed voluntarily. Like magic, it went away. Now, that to any – you know, seasoned attorney or most even common sense people would go, huh, something changed, changed. Like they paid him and they settled it. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. So in that circumstance, yeah, you can hit them if they, if they're directed to do so. But what we're saying here is if you look at it from the reverse, right, they get a protection to do something on behalf of the government. Do they not? That's what Section 230 does. It says you get protection if and only if you, quote, restrict, you take any action, skip the voluntarily um, taken, right? Just drop it out of the moment. If you take any action to restrict access to or availability of materials that are otherwise considered objectionable, right? Lewd, lascivious, harassing. Well, that is a directive. It's literally telling them what to do. If you do anything within those confines, you get civil liability protection. Thus, if they're seeking civil liability protection, they have to actually prove that they engaged in what the state told them to do. How can you argue that that's not a state directive? In fact, that's the power they're getting. They're getting agency power. So that is what we've done is we've gone ahead. We filed on August 26, 2022, and this for your audience needs to know. 
you're not going to hear about this in the mainstream media. They have already ignored it. Uh, we filed a constitutional challenge of Section 230. It is for all the marbles. This is probably one of outside of the Roe versus Wade case. This is probably the most important case in modern history. It will decide whether or not we have you know, constitutional rights online or not. The, the yeah. courts will need to make a decision whether Section 230, you know, the legislature's law, you know, the Congress's law is comports with the United States Constitution. It doesn't. We know it doesn't. That is why it's 143 pages long without exhibits. With exhibits, it's over 300. We have comprehensively torn this apart over the past you know, years and put it back together and explained how it cannot work in any other form and it can't work in its current form. And that is why it still can't be fixed. There's no way to fix 230 and still give that power to private entities. That's the problem. It never can work. And that's based on Carter versus Carter Cole. For those lawyers that are maybe listening out there, go look up that case. Private entities were controlling other private entities under the congressional power. You can't do that because they inevitably regulate to their own benefit. You can't do that. So we've done this. We've done this on behalf of all of America. In fact, justice, or excuse me, not justice, but um, Congressman uh, Louis Gomer from Texas, he read this. He was a judge at one point, I believe, and he read our constitutional challenge and agrees with it. He believes that that Congress is going to be in a stalemate because they don't want to relinquish their power. They're not going to repeal this. And any attempt to repeal it is just not going to work. Um, so in this circumstance, we got to get around the legislature. And he agrees. He said, you know, he went out the 27th of, of April and in front of, uh, you know, the Capitol. And we had um, we had all the news media there. Fox was there. CBS was there. NBC was there. NPR, even OANN. Right, O.N., why did none of them report it? Not one yeah. of them aired it. And they never you have do. to ask yourself, why? Why didn't they? What it means is this thing has teeth, and they're afraid of it because hmm. this will fix all of the Internet in one shot. If we can get the, the judges and or the Supreme Court of the United States to do this properly, to read what we put down there, and look at 230, what they call de novo, anew, right? Mm -hmm. If they look at it for what we said, and in fact, I was even talking to Susan Prager the other day. She, very, very brilliant woman. She's read about 50-some pages of it, and she said, and her comment was, and I quote, it sounds irrefutable. That's Excellent. where our constitutional challenge is. It's irrefutable. You can't get around it. And I invite anybody. We, as you said, I'm the founder of the Social Media Freedom Foundation. Uh, it is a 501c3. So any donations that come to us are tax deductible. We are a nonpartisan um, group fighting specifically for freedom online. And if you go to socialmediafreedom.org and you want to educate yourself properly on 230, because I can tell you, they have people out there that I believe are paid to argue online, these trolls of 230. And they go out there and they say the dumbest things and they repeat the same things over and over and over again. And they don't actually aren't able to argue anything legitimate about Section 230. Like ask them, why are there quotes on Good Samaritan? <laughs> There's a reason they're there. Matter of fact, it's one of the most important reasons of the entire law. In administrative law, do you know that Congress actually has to set what's called an intelligible principle? It's the fundamental principle upon which the agency, remember, agency must conform its law, meaning the rules have to be that of a good Samaritan, meaning they have to be for the good of others. Like, 
There it is. It's in quotes because it's articulated. It's literally said by Congress. Here's how you have to act. We so go these ahead. are the, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say we may need to start a, a documentary called 2000 Trolls and just kind of expose the sort of paid debate class of people online that are out there just trolling and trying to spread confusion. Well, here's the thing about the trolls. If And I was thinking about this with with what and I, I have not been able to personally prove it, but if it is in fact true that Twitter is running, say, 20 percent bots, how is that not content provision on behalf of Twitter? All of those bots information, like harassment, for example, yeah. fraud, for example, all of that should be liable. And that's something wow. that everybody should take into consideration, because if they're fraudulently pretending to be people, meanwhile, harassing people like me about how Section 230 works. And meanwhile, I'm talking to an AI, you know, fraudulently because Twitter's hiding that fact and never even acknowledged it to the SEC. They should be sued for that, yeah. like all out. Yeah. And so I would I would implore everybody, if you want to understand 230 properly, this is not your typical online. Hey, look, it's a First Amendment thing. No, this is, you know, we've had lawyers involved in it. I mean, you know how long I've been going at this, Dustin. We've yeah. dug into everything. And if you go to socialmediafreedom.org, there is a document on there. It's a sum- summary of the constitutional challenge that is called Revoking Section 230 Executive Summary. It'll give you a completely new perspective of Section 230 in relatively short, like 20 pages, like half an hour, 45 minute read. Or if you go under the document section, you can read the constitutional challenge itself. Fick versus the United States of America. Section 230 is under fire. We're coming after it. And one way or the other, the court is going to have to take a look at this thing and say, is is this does this you know law comport with the Constitution? Very cool. Very cool. Um. President Trump recently uh, made a statement to the effect of how do I get my reputation back after it came out that Hillary Clinton was behind uh, and knowingly involved in the Russiagate collusion uh, narrative. And I want to ask the same question. I mean, how, how do I or, or other independent journalists get our reputations back when we were one famous example of how we're being banned constantly is uh, October 15th of 2020, right before the election. Uh, myself and many other independent journalists, you probably remember this, broke the news of the Hunter Biden laptop from hell. Uh, and then we were sloppily all banned, like 30, 40 different uh, independent media channels, millions of subscribers uh, right before an election. I mean, they they banned uh, opposition media right before the election using this phony uh, excuse. And, and we never really got a good reason for it. So I feel like that must have been some sort of government order where they force these companies to just sloppily start banning haphazardly. I, I want to get into that one at some point in the future. I want revenge. I want my reputation back. But I, I really hope that your case uh, kicks ass, man. I, I, to be frank, I hope that your case uh, kicks their butt in court so that we can all have our voices back because they have tied all of our voices up. <laughs> that is so true. And actually, I will leave you with just one thought because it's not something that I could prove outright. But it is something that that it does make you think. We were originally supposed to file this constitutional challenge in October. And in October, Facebook hastily changed its name. Now, if your company was about to face eminent destruction, absolute bankruptcy, because it was going to get sued into annihilation, because maybe because the law that protects them is no longer going to protect them, what would you do? 
start a whole new company under a different name and start moving all your digital assets? Kind of makes you think, doesn't it? Because yeah. remember, I'm in litigation with Facebook and they know we use two operative words that their attorneys probably were terrified of, due process, because that's how we take this thing down. Yeah. Heck yeah. Well, Jason Fick, thank you so much for, for briefing us on your case and what's going on and for fighting it, man. I, I look up to you. Um, you have not only like some gahonies, but also uh, just the stamina to keep going with this case. I mean, most people would not be able to just fight the government for years and years and years. I mean, it must take a, a heck of a stubborn attitude. And I, I appreciate that about you. It's a lot of money too. And, and, and I would actually invite if anybody wants to truly do something to restore freedom online, we need donations to the Social Media Freedom Foundation. This is not a get rich quick scheme in any way, shape, or form. Uh, you know, I've already gone 100% into this thing. I've buried myself financially. I've got an insane amount of time into this thing because it, re- it needs to be done or we're going to lose this country. We, we have to be yeah. able to share information online or we're going to lose the whole country. It will happen. It really is that simple. If we can speak, we win. Mm -hmm. If we can't speak, then we lose. Um, Jason Fick. uh, That is correct. Social Media Freedom Foundation. Everybody check it out. Support him if you can. Uh, Spread the word. Let everybody know what Jason is doing, even if you can't financially support it. And Jason, thank you again. Um, Just looking up to you, and I appreciate you, and I hope you win. Thank you, Dustin. Appreciate it. I'm going to let you have any closing thoughts that you have, um, and then I'll close it out. Well, the biggest thing is, is that one of the things that uh, Susan Prager brought up and I, and I discussed about this, and this is that everybody, you know, is making, you know, everybody acts like they know everything. Um, <laughs> they call it the, the Dunning-Kruger uh, effect. <laughs> it, yeah. it, it's essentially a, a situation where if you don't know, I mean, I've even got an arguments where they start out the first line saying, I don't really understand, and then, you know, continue on to argue with me. And it's like, you should have stopped that I don't understand. And, and that's what I'm suggesting to people is instead of, you know, just getting your information off online and so forth, sit down and read what we've put together for you. It's social media freedom and other Read it, understand it, and then you'll know what we're talking about. And you'll understand why this there's no way that this thing works. This law doesn't work because private entity can't do it. They're just not allowed to have that power under the non-delegation doctrine of the Constitution. So I implore people, educate yourself, learn for yourself, and stop listening to these trolls online because they're they're not just wrong. They're actually deliberate. I mean, it's they're deliberately confusing people, and I would not be surprised if these aren't bots, like trolls that are controlled mm-hmm. by the sites to dissuade people from knowing the truth. I've, we I've, are in an information war for sure. I have dealt with so many of those um obvious like paid trolls that keep coming back day after day saying the same thing. Even if you've rebutted that particular comment, they keep coming back saying it over and over. When my book came out, I saw a bunch of that. Just when the, when the Hunter Biden laptop came out, I saw a bunch of that. I mean, every time something big happens, there's a whole group of people that just have nothing better to do, I guess, that show up. Um, Thank you, Jason. I'm going to close it out now. I hope everyone enjoyed this video. Please share like your freedom depends on it because it does. Um, and yeah, I mean, this is, this is lawfare and lawfare works because that's why the left keeps doing it. Um, they keep suing everyone and taking everyone to court because it works. And if we can start to do that and, uh, win some of those battles, we can change the whole landscape of our, our, of our country and our future. So again, Jason Fick, social media freedom foundation, um, 
Check it out. Everybody go there. We'll see you on the next one. Dustin Nemo signing off at nemosnewsnetwork.com. Thanks, Jason. Thank you.